this, this church has a great history in our group of churches called the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies, and we have a great admiration for your pastors. And this is really, you don't know how cool it is to look out and to see so many people that are young. And it is, uh, it's rare, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be here, and more power to you. I hope that what you're doing here gets spread far and wide. So if you would ta- do me a favor and open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 15, I, I thought uh, of all of the great sermons that I think I've preached and thought, well, I'll just do one I've done before several times. So um, with all the really good stories in them, uh, but every time, when, in fact, the first time when we chatted, John, the first thing that came to mind was John 15. And I thought, well, everybody does John 15. I'll bet you John's preached that, taught that so many times and kept going somewhere else. And God just kept drawing me back to this John 15 and so let's take a look of that at, at, at that. While you're turning, I, I want to say I've noticed that uh, a bunch of you have um, have tattoos. I've been I've been kind of watching, and tattoos are all the rage. Tattoos. All of the cool pastors have tattoos. Uh, they all have tattoos. They drive Harley Davidsons. They ha- their office is in a Starbucks, and they preach from an iPad. All the cool ones do that. I, I drive a Honda motorcycle. I can't concentrate in a coffee shop. Uh, and I can't do away without my paper. And I don't even have a little tiny tattoo hidden away from people that they will never see unless something bad happens at the hospital. And I don't plan to get one because there's nothing... I, I'm, I'm fine with them. I think they're great. I think it's great for everyone else. But honestly, a tattoo looks best when it's new and it gets worse as you get older. I do not need anything, any help in the looking worse as I get older, you know, department. And so I've never thought I wanted, I can't even think of anything that I want stamped on my body for the rest of my life until now. I now know what I want stamped on my body. My wife does not know this. First she's heard of it, but I have decided if I'm going to get something put on my body that will be read for the rest of my life, it is two Latin words, Coram Deo. Coram Deo. Coram Deo. And I want it spelled right. <laughs> Counseling with a young lady at church who's got all sorts of troubles. I mean, troubles you would not believe. Uh, and she has in bold, big calligraphy letters across her, down her arm, the word leader, spelled L A E R. Oh, my. You can't fix that. Coram Deo is C-O-R-A-M-D-E-O. It's a phrase that literally means something that takes place before the face of God. Something that takes place before the face of God. It, it, it is um, to, to live Coram Deo is to live one's entire life in the presence of, under the authority of, and to the glory of God. So in the to the, in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and uh, under the authority of God and for the glory of God. So say those three words with me. Presence, authority, glory. Presence, authority, glory. It was popularized in the 16th century, I, I assume by Martin Luther, as a rallying cry to the masses to move their attention from what is around them to what is above them because they too had things like 
plagues and wars and civil unrest and 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 as Martin Luther saw God's sheep looking so distracted and so frustrated and and sheep without a shepherd he called them together with these words Coram Deo under the under the presence in the presence of the authority of and the glory of God and so Coram Deo is to live with this realization this understanding that is whatever we are doing wherever we are doing it we are acting under the gaze of God or to be acutely aware of the sovereignty of God God is God is God has self-described his own name I am it's not where it's not how its existence and so with that let's take a look at let's take a look at John 15 Coram Deo, it, it, it takes into this whole idea that we actually believe and live out what we are singing in our worship choruses. That God is great, that God, all of those things, we actually live this out as if we believe the words we just sang on a daily, real basis. John 15 and the first 11 verses, um, if you've been around church life, you have heard these verses before. I am the vine, this is Jesus speaking, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, you're told don't use generalities. Jesus didn't quite get that rule. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather him together, they cast him into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. For by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to, to my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full may be full uh, God this is God's word can we just take a moment to ask God to help us understand it let's pray God thank you for loving us so much by give, for giving us something we can look at read and allow you to assimilate it into our hearts and into our lives so God will you conform us to your words for we far too often have conformed you to ours God, conform us to your words, we pray. Amen. Now, it would be fun to take a month of Sundays and to go through this passage of Scripture and really take it apart as it deserves. We could go over the botany that's included in the, in the, uh, in the passage. I know your pastors are big into botany, you know, gardening and trees and such. Vines are magnificent plants. They're, they're uh, ancient they're a part of every major, um, uh, major historic um, culture, civilization. Um, vines, have, vines have the roots and the, and the stem. That's the important part. The, if the vines and the stem are not anything wrong with them, unhealthy, it's not good for the whole. 
Um, the roots and the stem rock solid. Um, the branches will blow in the wind. They're affected by what's above. A pruning is an ancient and a highly scientific art. Pruning a healthy plant makes it better. A pruning hurts. Pruning is invasive. Pruning feels unkind. Nobody likes it, even the vine dresser. When I prune my trees, I, I, kept, I put it off. I don't like it um, because it looks like I'm doing something wrong when it's actually the very right thing to do. So that's kind of the kind of the botany of the passage. A branch that doesn't bear fruit is said to be maybe on the vine but not in the vine. Okay? And, uh, and it will be discarded both in botany and in Christianity, cut off and discarded, which is brutal. Even for Jesus, who has known for his grace and is really his honesty, his tolerance for us, and yet if you bear no fruit, out. Remember the, if you, the, ta- the story told the story of talents, and, and it was fine with whatever you did as long as you didn't do nothing. If you do nothing, so we could take time to talk about that. We could talk about the spiritual lessons that are contained in the passage, like Jesus is the vine, we're the branches of the vine. You know, the, 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 the stem and the roots, they don't bear fruit. What we do, Jesus sends us out to bear fruit. Uh, Jesus claims full privilege to prune as he sees fit. Um, prayer is connected. It's absolutely of the connected. If you're connected in, then what you pray for, you get. I don't understand that part of it. I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't get it, so I won't even try to explain it. Um, But we have limited time today, and so I just want to talk about the essence of that whole passage. The essence of the whole, rather than the specifics. That is, stay in, bear fruit, have joy. Stay in, bear fruit, have joy dark world that we live in with viruses and, and, and escalating, you know, riots and elections. Stay in. Bear fruit. Have joy. Stay in Christ. Abide in Him. Live there. And if you stay in, you will bear fruit. It's just one of those things. If you stay in, you, it's automatic. It's a marvelous thing. An apple tree does not suddenly get up the gumption and say, Ooh, I think I can. I think I can. I'm going to push an apple out. It just happens. It just naturally happens. And I submit to you that, there, uh, that bearing fruit and having full joy are the common goals of good people wherever you go. And it's so obviously elusive. So many people want to make a difference with their life. So many people want to bear fruit and have joy, but so few people have attained attained it. And so it's so important that we understand the lesson from the vine. Bear fruit. Stay in, bear fruit, have joy. So very quickly, abide in the vine. To abide simply means to stay in. It means to to, to, to stay or to remain, it also can and should mean um, to sojourn, to sojourn. To stay in doesn't necessarily mean to, to get in something and stay statically, like smell the roses and never leave the roses. It's, it's, it's not like a continuous prayer meeting. It's to stay in means to, 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 to sojourn, to stay in. Let's see, maybe it's like this. To stay in means to stay in the plane when you're flying. Okay? So if, if you're flying from here to San Francisco, you're only going to get to San Francisco if you stay in the plane. Any alternative isn't going to get you there. 
So if you, you know, in the movies, they always have some knucklehead that opens up the door, right? And the big sucking, and they're, you know, flying out. And, you know, the guy that, that actually exits the plane gets dropped off in Idaho somewhere, not San Francisco. Not that that would be a bad thing. But if you don't stay in, you won't get there, okay? So staying in Christ, um, staying in, in, in Christ doesn't mean sitting still or being eventless. It's not a static or a boring lifestyle. It, it, to, to stay in Christ, you don't, just, you don't go in Christ for refreshing and for worship and to get filled and then leave Christ to accomplish things, to bear fruit. That's not how it works. You, you stay in Christ, and when you stay in Christ, it, then you bear fruit. It's by staying actually in. And so think of these scriptures. In other words, Acts chapter 17, 28. Perhaps you remember, in him you, we, we, we live and move and have our being. Did, did, did you get it? We live in him, we move in him, and we have our being. And we have that when we stay in, not when we stay out. Not when we come and go. Or Joshua 1.9, it's a longer verse, but the beginning ends says, Be strong and courageous. I will be with you wherever you go. So staying in the vine isn't about, you know, putting put my feet down and I shall not be moved. It's an old song. I shall not be moved. It means to, 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 to sojourn or to travel in. The Great, great Commission Go and make disciples of all nations, and lo, I will be with you until the end. He doesn't leave us. We do not leave him. So don't think of, 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 of abiding or staying in the vine as static, sleepy, eventless, that prepares for you, your, you for life, but abiding in the vine is life as you move along. Being a Christian is not like a bees in a, in a, in a, a honeybees in a, in a vine where when you're in the vine, you serve the queen and do the buzzing around, and then you leave the hive in order to do the work. And then you come back, and then you leave. That's, not, that, that's a beehive. It's not Christianity. Christianity is always being with the king, always, forever, and wherever you are, that he is with you. So here's how Jesus fleshes it out. We read it in 15 verse 4. He said, he said, abide in me and I in you. You will never have an occasion where you are not to be attached to or in the vine. Always traveling with, sojourning. So let's abide with me. You will bear much fruit. And verse 2 says pruning makes more fruit. Verse 5 says bear much fruit. It's his desire that we do much fruit. Not little fruit, but much. It's just his desire. So more fruit, much fruit, more fruit. I like that. I like more and much. So the youngest generation starts, uh, in every, just like every generation, starts this way. All of us have been this way. I, my generation was the same thing. I mean, it's similar. My parents' generation, my kids' generation, and we all want to make a difference world. We all want to do these types of things. Something happens somehow. We go off to college with all these great ideals graduate from college with a lot of debt, get a good job in a corporate world, have children, the dog, the house, and so, for some reason, the idealism slips away and gets further away a part of history because if you do, listen, if you do a comparison of graduation speeches, okay, from 
last five generations, you're going to find they say almost the same thing. It's this great passion to change the world, and, and, and it's important. So staying in Christ, abiding in Christ, bearing more fruit, much fruit, is really something we really need to get down because if we really are going to do what our idealism, our passions are, are, are calling us to do, we're going to need to learn the more fruit, much fruit principles of staying in Christ. Because it's staying in Christ that we're able to do this. Because, oh, this verse 5 is a killer. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Honestly, I don't understand that verse. And I'm not saying that it's not understandable. I just haven't gotten there yet. And I just will be honest with you, the why I have a hard time with it. And I'm okay with it being there. I'm just haven't figured it out inside. I spend a lot of people who don't know Jesus at all. And they seem to be doing an awful lot of good. And I admire what they do. And I come alongside and help them. I work with Native Americans. I, I, I do my best to help those that are down and out. And, and I really appreciate and respect the good work that others are doing. And yet, for some reason, in some way, Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's something there about helping the world condition and learning this abide in the vine because apart from me, you, you, can, you can do nothing. Abiding, doing much more fruit is an objective I think all of us have. Hunger and justice and health care. You, you don't have to, here's the point. Here's the point. You do not have to leave Christianity to involve yourself in everything that needs to be changed. You don't need to leave Christianity to be a good citizen in this world. You don't have to set your Christ aspect of your life, the centrality of Jesus, in order to help with those racial things, inequity things, law enforcement things. You don't have to set that aside. In fact, if you stay in him, you will bear more and much. More and much as you stay in Christ. In Christ. So, abide in me, you will bear much fruit, you will have great joy. This is where the joy comes from. This is where joy, everybody wants joy. I think everybody does. I think if we were taking a survey, don't we, how many people don't, wear, don't want joy? No, you'd rather be, right. See, everybody wants joy. I mean, it's something we really, and here's where it comes from. Here's where it comes from. Abide in Christ, much and more fruit, and we will have not just for a, a, a joy, but full joy. I mean, the bells will ring on this one. You warned me about that. You know, everybody wants happiness. They want happiness for others. Some of you have, um, some of you have married someone you, you know, they don't deserve you. And your and your and your dad at some point came along and he's he's trying to be polite, and he said, "Are you sure? Are you sure about this?" And yes, yes, Dad, I'm so sure. And he will simply say, "I just want you to be happy." Some of you went off to college. And you plan to major in something which is entirely useless in the world around you. You will never get paid for the degree that you, that's just the way it is. Sorry, I'm older than you. But your mother, who is also older, said, are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> because it's expensive. Yes, uh, I just want you to be happy. We're supposed to go to our happy place 
from time to time. Everyone wants joy, and especially that full joy. And it comes from, it comes from being in Christ. It doesn't come from finding that special person to spend your life with. It doesn't come from winning the championship game or being at the best party or discovering your true gender and all of those things which are so significant. Abide in the vine, make a difference in the world, and have great joy. That's the big kahuna, isn't it? Stay in Christ, much and more fruit, and you will have joy, a fullness of joy. I love that. Now, who would be opposed to that? How do we abide in the vine? So how do we do this? How do we, how do we, how do we abide in, stay in, remain in, sojourn in? And that's where I think the words Carmen, Carmen, Coram Deo, Coram Deo come in, because it's a way of life under the, in the presence of under the authority of and for the glory of God. To stay in literally means, the word quorum literally means before the face of. It, the word cora in the Latin is the word for the pupil of the eye. So it means to be constantly aware of the watchfulness of God, his interest in our life, and his empowerment of our activities. And sure, there's the theological fact of omniscience, a big word, which means the everywhereness of God at all times. But Coram Deo is not just, it's not just an awareness of, it, it's, it's a living in that God is walking with you. Because that God watches you is a fact it's our awareness of that fact that makes all of the difference, okay? So here, think of what Jesus did. It, here, Matthew chapter, Matthew 6, 4. When you give alms or give, give in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He sees in secret, okay? Or, or the next uh, two verses later. When you pray, pray to your father who sees in secret and he will reward you. See, he's watching. And, and then in verse uh, eight, 16 to 18, when you fast, when you go hungry, uh, don't, don't do it to be seen by men, but you're by your father who sees in secret and he will repay you. So why is it that God is watching us? Is he watching us to catch us doing something bad? No, that's the mother's idea job. We, he doesn't he, he's, he's not watching us so that, oh, man, did it, you messed up. I knew you would do it. He's watching us to reward us, to catch us doing good. It's marvelous memory verse, first, 2 Corinthians 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro the earth, seeking to strongly support those whose heart is completely his. This is why God is watching you. This is why God's gaze is upon you, in order that he would reward you, support you. And here's the deal. There are a lot of problems in the world today. You know as well as I do. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of people trying to fix the problems of the world. It's not working. It hasn't worked very well. And you know as well as I do, there's not a lot of happiness out there. You don't see people doing what they're doing and smiling while they're doing it, do you? No, face mask anyway. But you don't see a lot of people happy in what they're doing. Coram Deo means to stay in Jesus, means to bear much fruit. It means to be full of joy. And when you look on the TV and the internet, you look in the newspaper, you look around outside and you see people doing what they're doing to try and fix the problems of the world, you don't see anybody joyful. You see a lot of 
angry people, shouting people, upset people, burning things and beating things and pointing fingers and you this and you that and condemning and pushing and shoving. But you don't see people having joy. You don't see any of this evoking that which comes from the inside out. And I know all of them want justice. They want equality. They want fairness in, in law enforcement. They want hope and help for the poor. They want, but there's no joy. There's no fullness therein. And all of that which we want for the world around us is found in the realm of God. It isn't an outside thing. It's a God thing. There is no entity more in favor of fairness and justice than God himself. Be in Christ and you will be better equipped to bring it to someone else. There is no more, one more careful and caring to the poor, to those who are marginalized, to the disenfranchised than God himself. He brought his face right here among us in order to bring the kind of redemption that all of the world is, is trying to bring about. So stay in the vine. Abide in Christ. You will bear good fruit, and you will have great joy. Coram Deo. Well, everything I do, everywhere I go, it is, under the, it is in the presence of God, under the authority of God, for the glory of God. I'm going to get my tattoo. So you need to help me out with this. Where do you get a tattoo? I mean, where do you do this? Do I, do I get Coram Deo on my foot? That hurts, I've heard. That way, everywhere I go, right, I go every step I take in the presence under the authority and for the glory of God. And how about on my hand? I saw somebody with a hand tattoo. Do you do it with your hand so that everything I do is Coram Deo? Was that a good idea on the, on the hand? That maybe that's a good idea. Maybe, maybe I should get it on my head. Maybe on my head. So that it's where my thoughts are. So that my thoughts are conformed. Coram Deo. Under the, you know, uh, for the glory of God. Under the authority of God. In the presence of God. Maybe I should get it right over my heart. Where my passions are. Where my dreams come out. My concepts and my thoughts emerge. Maybe in my eyelid. Do they do that? So that every time I blink, I see Coram Deo, Coram Deo, Coram Deo, Coram Deo. Maybe. I'm not sure where I should get one. Or if I should get one. But I do want to live my life Coram Deo. Always, every time, in the presence of, under the authority of, and for the glory of God, because I will bear fruit, and I will have great joy. We live in crazy times. Honestly, the justice, the racial equality, <clears throat> long overdue, needs to take place, needs to be now, but we will find it in Christ. There is a thief that comes, and the thief comes in counterfeit clothes, with counterfeit stories, counterfeit methodology, and his purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus brought his very presence here 
in order that we might have life and have it abundantly. Our best hope, our best hope, the world's best hope is for us to abide in Christ. Coram Deo. Let me finish with this one passage, and I think that we sang it earlier, or at least part of it, from the Old Testament, the Arianic blessing. Numbers chapter 6. Maybe you've heard this spoken in church. Maybe you do it frequently here. And it goes like this. It was an order. It said, Moses told, told, uh, God told Moses, speak to Aaron, who was the priest, and to his sons, saying this, you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say these words to them. Say these words. Routine basis. I want you to say these. Speak these words over other people. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his what? Face shine upon you. And may the Lord lift his countenance. That's this right here. From a hoo to a ha, he, ha, hoo. It's a lift it up. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And he says, so shall you invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I will bless them. We're going to go to a time of prayer, I've heard. The Bible says that you all are priests. So I would call upon you at least some point in your prayer time that you bless the people around you with these words that God said, do this, and I will. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Coram Deo.